Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. I would love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. Are you well? Have you missed us? Oh, we missed you too. Well, we've had three weeks holidays and we're back and so we're excited to be back. Amen. It's good. Thank the Lord for the rain. Let's pray that it uh, stops raining. So I think we've had enough. Amen. Yeah, that's enough is enough. Well, let's pray before we come to the word. Open our hearts to receive what God's spirit is saying to us. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts that you would help us this morning by your Spirit to hear what you're saying to us individually and corporately. I pray, Lord, the words that I would speak would be spirit and life and that Jesus is glorified. I ask this in your name. Amen. Well, as was mentioned, we are starting a new series called Jesus Said. And in particular... That's so important for us because Jesus did say quite a few things. There's about, uh, about 800 references about the things that Jesus said that will relate to us. And of course, quite often that crosses over you know, through the Gospels. And so we are kind of like narrowing it down for us. Because if Jesus said something, it must have been important, Yes. If Jesus said something that uh, brings energy to our life, keeps us on the right track, helps us to navigate through these challenges that we have in life, then that's important. No one else but him is life, can give life, and show us how to live life through all the challenges that we have. And so that's why I really felt, as I was praying last year, and there were two things in my, my heart and my mind, and you know, I thought, what do we need to go through next year? I can't think of anything or, or felt anything better in my spirit than to look at the words Jesus said. And as you read your Bible, you know, if it's electronic, you know, highlight that. Or if you have one of those good old, old-fashioned ones, your paper ones, underline that phrase Jesus said. And it will astound you. So this morning, that's where we're going. And... Particularly, one area that Jesus very early mentions that we all have to deal with. And it is the, the subject of temptation. Oh, can I ask the question, has anyone ever experienced temptation? Is anyone not putting up their hand this morning because we all experience temptation? And the scripture tells us that there is no temptation that Jesus is unaware of that we've gone through. And he actually went through that. But Jesus knew how to, I guess, overcome those temptations. Let me just say this. The enemy, the devil, Satan, he exists and he uses any and every means to bring you to a place of being tempted. He wants to tempt you. He did that very early on and he still does it today. 
the devil desires that you fall in your relationship to God, that you yield to temptation and break that relationship with God. He wants to stop it. And if he can stop that, he can stop the greatest power and the greatest source that you have in your life, and that is your connection with God. If he can do that, then he's won. Because temptation will come to you in different ways, in different means, at different times. And if he can get you to move from that moment of temptation to giving into temptation, then he breaks that relationship that you have with God. And not only that, what takes place after that is so damaging to us. It's so overwhelming at times. Because you see, what he will do is once you have broken that, you know, that area of your life that God wants you to have control of, he then brings guilt and he brings shame and he brings confusion and he, he puts thoughts in your mind like, I knew you could never make it as a Christian. I knew you'd never stay true to God. I knew that you would fall. So God really doesn't love you. He doesn't really care about you. And he will pour things down upon you to bring you to that place of, well, what's the point? Have you ever had a, a brother or a sister in Christ who have fallen away and they're going, well, what's the point? I'm just going to fail anyway. And then they move away from God. And that gap becomes greater and greater and greater. But it all starts with that terrible thing called temptation. And temptation is the desire to engage short-term urges for short-term enjoyment. But what happens is it has long-term term consequences and long-term effects temptation just so we have a good handle of what it is temptation engages the soul it's putting pressure on your mind and when temptation comes I don't know about you but when something comes in my in my in my way and I'm tempted by it I feel that I can justify it in my thinking have you done that Please don't tell me I'm on my own because I'd be really worried because you're such a holy church. But I, I justify it. Well, I deserve that. I need that. I should be. I'm the pastor. I should have a throne and be able to do communion up here, as my dear daughter said this morning. Don't worry, folks. They keep me very humble at different times. But, you know, you can justify the temptation and you can, you can move into that place of going, yeah, I deserve that. And then what happens, because the soul, don't forget, remember we're incredibly complex and a diverse type of being that God has created us. It, the soul contains the mind and the will. And so it's, it's the breaking of that will. Well, just this once, just this once. And so our will is broken and then the emotion, is, it's all wrapped up together. They're not all separate things that happen like first it's going to happen in my mind, then it's going to happen in my emotions and then it's going to happen in my will. Folks, it's happening like it's spaghetti and, and meat sauce. 
It's all wrapped up together. It doesn't stop. And when temptation comes and we yield to temptation, this is what James said in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 15. And it's so important. He describes it this way. He says, desire or temptation, when it has conceived, when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And to sin, when it's fully grown, it gives birth to death. Death in your relationship with God. Death in your your conscious being of who you are. This is how he operates. This is what the enemy wants to do. And And the scripture also tells us, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. I mean, don't be ignorant what he uses. And he uses temptation. He operates in this way to break fellowship that you have with God and to bring fear and to bring confusion. If you think about the first thing that happened after Adam and Eve sinned, being tempted, giving into that temptation, what did they do? They hid. They hid. And when we sin and when we're doing something wrong, we just want to hide it. Hide it from our loved one. Hide it from our friends. Just hide it because we know that it is wrong. There are three basic temptations that are categorized in Matthew that help us to understand the areas in which temptation comes. So having your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 4 or open it to Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus faces temptation. And there's no temptation that Jesus hasn't gone through that you haven't also gone through. But let me give you a couple of observations before we jump into Matthew chapter 4 because we really do have to set it up. And in Matthew chapter 3, this is what happens leading up to Jesus going in to the wilderness. Jesus is on his way and then all of a sudden he comes to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says what? Behold, the Son of God. Listen to that. Behold, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not worthy to untie your your sandal, Lord. And Jesus says, let it be. And then as John baptizes him, bang, what happens? The heavens open. Can you imagine being there and the heavens open? I don't know what that would look like, but I think that would be pretty catastrophic, the thing that we would see. The heavens open and then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus. And then the Father from heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So John just says, behold the Son of God who takes, or the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The heavens open, the Holy Spirit comes down, the voice from heaven, and Jesus is standing there and he's having this incredible experience of being called by God that he knew about, but it now is a reality in his life taking place and bang how would you feel in that moment well can I just say when God called us into the ministry it was the greatest privilege and honor of my life that I've ever experienced when God said to me those four powerful words go to Bible college that was the calling of myself and Pavey into the ministry a direct word Man, I tell you what, without trying to sound over the top, it was almost like, man, 
I am a child of God and God's called me into the ministry. Man, I feel good. I knew that I would. I feel good. Now, it's not like I'm some, somebody wonderful or powerful or amazing, but it's like that God said, come on, come. And I responded and I went, and I tell you what, it was an absolute high that God had called me into the ministry. I don't think that's much different to how Jesus fell, that he was called into the ministry, he knew he was called. And, he's, and, and finally, after 30 years, that moment he's being called and set upon to do everything that God had called him to. And all those 30 years of his life he's been preparing for, and bang, it happens. And then this happens in chapter 4, verse 1, if we can read it. This is what it said. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness or into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and this makes total sense, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, Wow, the tempter came. Jesus is at his lowest physical point of strength. Now, if you have ever done some long-term fasting, it affects your thinking, your emotions, and it affects your will, even though you're strong, but physically you can be quite weak. I went, I've, I've done a couple of long-term fasts, not 40 days, but what happens after about seven days, your metabolism slows down and you become very cold and my hands were like ice, literally, they felt like ice. And walking, it was, it was like quite slow and, and, and quite physically exhausting. Even though my spirit was sharp, it was really quite draining. And you know, you should always be careful when you're tired and when you're what? Hungry. Because you never make a decision, a major decision, when three things. When you're hungry, when you're tired, and when you're angry. And Jesus was led into the wilderness, into the desert. And after 40 days, then the enemy came to him at his lowest physical point. And this is what he says to him. Very important. And the tempter came and said, to him if what you are the son of God command these stones to become loaves of bread 40 days earlier God in heaven when the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down as a dove the voice from the father in heaven says this is my what this is my son in whom I'm well pleased but then the enemy comes and he says, if you are the son of God. 40 days, Jesus is physically weak. You see, let me just tell you this. When temptation comes, let's not lose what we're talking about. When temptation comes, you know what he's attacking you? He's attacking you because you are a child of God. Because you are God's chosen one. 
And that's why that he, he, he tries to kind of like confuse us. If you are the son of God, are you a child of God? Do you believe in God's family? Does God truly love you? Can you live this Christian life? What is this all about? If you are God's son, imagine the absolute cheek of the devil to say that to Jesus. He's got more cheek than you can believe. If you are the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now let me tell you this, after doing quite a bit of research, in the desert there were limestone rocks that were quite small and they were round. And in fact, commentators have said that these stones actually looked like what? Little loaves of bread. And I don't doubt that the enemy pointed to them and said, if you are the Son of God, turn these stone into bread. Now it says that Jesus was hungry. And he, he's looking at them. And the enemy is saying, come on, come on, come on. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. He was hungry. What do you do? He's trying to do a couple of things here, the enemy. He's trying to get Jesus to work out of his divinity, his divine nature, rather than God being the source of everything. He's trying to work through his own strength. Because you see, Jesus, when he came, he was totally man and totally God, but he never used his divine power. He trusted in God to bring the manifestation of his divine power. So he can show us how we can live under the divine power of God. And Jesus was hungry. Command these stones to be turned into bread. You see, folks, sometimes when the enemy comes, when that temptation comes, and you're going through something that's quite a battle, you see, the, the enemy won't tempt you when you're high and going great and going good, not initially, but when there's that moment when you don't feel as strong as you should, he will come. You don't fight someone when they're at their peak. You fight them when they're not at their peak. And that's what the devil did. And so he comes and says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. In other words, Jesus, you're in the desert. You're hungry. I don't know how you're going to get food. Why don't you use your power to do this? Why don't you rely on your own strength? When God wants you to live the way he wants you to live, he wants you to rely upon his plan, his purpose, and the way in which he moves in your life, rather than you trying to manufacture things. When we're tempted to do the things our way and raise ourselves above God's will and his plan and his purpose and not to submit to his way, then we will fail. We are, in essence, living by bread that we make. And it was to take his flesh and make his flesh feel good. You know, every time Pavi and I have submitted to his ways, we have always thought, 
I wonder if it could take place this way. Have you ever done that in your conversations with God? Well, God, if you do this, then this will happen and that will happen. And this friend will come to church and I can pick them up and bring them to church. And they'll hear God's word and then they'll get saved and we'll go home. And then we'll have a praise party and it'll be great and it'll be fantastic. And God, this is the way, this is the way that we can manufacture it to see it come about. And God goes, no, sorry. And so they might even hear a word and they turn their life to God or a stranger might come to them when we try to manufacture the needs that we have in our life we are saying God my bread is better than your bread and that's why Jesus said this in this second part of that verse it is not it is written man shall not live by bread alone in other words not live by the way in which we manufacture things for ourselves but by every word that comes from the mouth of God when you are tempted to do things your way and raise yourself above God's will stop and say God I'm going to trust you to live by every word of God is to live his way rather than living your way because his way is greater but the enemy will try and take a shortcut when I was growing up my my dad had this saying if we were going to go to another person's place let's go on a mystery tour and take a shortcut because I think I know a shortcut so this one day in particular I can remember we were sitting in the car heading from Kamira to go to Ashgrove because my auntie had invited us for some lunch. So we set off and my dad said, I think I know a shortcut. And I'm thinking, I have heard this phrase before. And after two hours of not even getting to Ashgrove, we turned around and came home and didn't have lunch. When you start to do things your way, let me tell you, it's a shortcut that's going to end up in a mystery tour and it's going to be just absolutely terrible and you will end up hungry. Do you know when Jesus said that, he said, man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because the enemy said to him, turn these stones into bread. When Jesus counteracted that, he counteracted him with the scripture. That's out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Where the children of Israel uh, have just been previously told that they're going to cross the Jordan River. So after those 40 years, and God's saying, it's ready to cross the Jordan. I'm going to take you out of the land of slavery. And, and out of the wilderness, and I'm going to put you in the promised land. You're on a new way. This is how it's going to happen. The devil will use the word of God, but you need to know it all in its context. And when Jesus said, you shall not do that. You don't live by bread alone. You live by the whole counsel of God. Every word, look what Jesus said, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's everything, and everything has to do with everything that you have in your life. The way that you live with your family, the way that you live with your friends, how you take care of 
all your business, how you behave, everything, every word, not just one thing, to fulfill your heart with bread for the moment. So we're faced with a challenge when temptation comes. And that temptation is this, temporary bread versus eternal bread. Are you going to make yourself temporary bread or are you going to devolve, uh, sorry, are you going to embrace eternal bread? Now that might take some time, but let me tell you, there are no shortcuts in God's kingdom. Eternal bread. When you are tempted to do something to help your flesh to make it feel good, stop and think, what type of bread is this? Is it temporary bread or is it eternal bread? Second point in this thing, are you trusting yourself or are you trusting God to provide? Are you trusting yourself or are you trusting God to provide? Because the scripture tells us he will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. In other, way, in other words, in ways in which it shall come, it will come by him. Are you trusting yourself or are you trusting him? Are you, are you dwelling on temporary bread or are you embracing eternal bread? Here's the next part of the temptation that Jesus come. Matthew chapter 5 and it says this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Here's something. I want you to think about this. Where was Jesus prior to this? He was in the desert. So the desert takes him from, oh, sorry, so the devil, sounds like the desert. Well, he is. He's empty anyway. The, the devil takes Jesus from the desert and he takes him to church. To church. Think about it. Look what it says. The pinnacle of the temple. He takes him to the place of church. And then he says to him, what does he say to him? If you are the son of God. He's not letting this go. He's not letting it go. And he will come and he will question you about the same things quite constantly. If you are the son of God. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. Whoa, what does that mean? I mean, really, what does it mean? Hmm. What does it mean if you are the son of God? Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. So if you are the son of God, and we're on the top of the church, and you throw yourself down, he will command his angels. So that means angels are looking after you. So you could probably, you could just probably test God. Next scripture. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. That's the angels. And Jesus says, Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, if Jesus was to fall from the top of the temple, the angels would come and rescue him. So God, if I do this, will you do that? So the test here is the bargaining test 
that we have with God. That's what the devil was trying to do, do to him. Get him to start to bargain with God. Testing God if God would come through for him. You know, sometimes, well, I know that we have done and said some really unwise things in our life. I had someone come to me once and said, you know, if we win $130 million, you ever heard that number recently? I mean, it was so well advertised, you couldn't miss it. Is it the highest amount on lotto? $130 million. It's now 200 Oh, just the temptation keeps going up and up and up and up. I've heard people say to me, you know, if I win the lotto, then I'll start giving. And I'll say, I don't start, st- think you'll start giving even now. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. We have a bargaining relationship with God. God, if you, if you bring this into my life, then I'll do that. Who's ever bargained with God? Who's ever tried to bargain with God? God, if you save my husband, we're going to be so committed. God, if you do this, Lord, I've got such a bad back. If you heal my back, I promise I'll be praying on my knees all the days of my life. God, if you do this, then I'll do that. That's what the devil's trying to do. He's testing him to see if he can bargain with God. You can't bargain with God. Our relationship with God is based on love because he first loved us. Can you imagine that when Pastor Pavey and I first got married and I said, I'm going to marry you as long as you cook my meals and you wash my clothes and you clean the house and every now and then say lovely things about me. Let's make that bargain. And she said, tell him he's dreaming. You can't bargain in love that's not what God wants you to do you shall love the Lord your God it doesn't say thou shalt bargain with the Lord your God we move from a love relationship into a transactional relationship with God how hideous is that you know he first loved us and he's put his love into our hearts Therefore, bargaining should be out of the deal. We should just love God, which means just to love him completely and honestly. And whatever he asks us to do at any time, we should do it because we know that he loves us completely. What type of relationship do you have with God? I wonder how many times the devil's whispered in our ears and said, you know, know, have you ever thought of asking God to do that for you? Because if he does that, then he'll prove that he is God. It's not how it works, folks. That's how the enemy works. Number two, don't put God to the test. To test God is to bargain with God. Relationship with God must be based on love, not what you hope to gain. Not what you hope to gain. That is so... It is so anti-Christianity don't put God to the test trusting yourself or trusting God to provide that's the difference trusting yourself or trusting God to provide 
Relationships must be based on love, not what you hope to gain. Is this helping anyone this morning? Are, are you getting it? You're going to have temptation. You're going to have to, it's just going to come. But you need to be smarter than that. And here's the third temptation that came to Jesus. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of their world. That next scripture. Then Jesus said to him, oh, sorry, be gone for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. There he is. Sorry, the very high mountain. I want you to notice kind of like he started in the desert. He started on the top of the church. And now he is where? He's above the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you worship me. If we can go back to that previous scripture, thanks. All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Well, yet I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, man, that devil, he's making promises that he can't keep. Think about that. He's making promises that he can't keep. That's because he is a liar and the father of lies. And I have said it before, as the scripture says, his native tongue is lying. He's the father of lies. If you bow down and worship me, look what I can give you if you worship me. Be careful of what you want because there is always a price to pay, folks. There is a sting in the tail when it comes to the devil when he promises. You can't possibly think that he would do this for Jesus. In fact, this prize, the kingdoms of the world, is a second place try because it says this after Jesus went through the cross and laid down his life it says in Philippians that then God gave him a name that is above every other name and that he is a ruler and his name is above everything in the heavens on earth and under earth and the devil's just trying to give him, if he would, and I doubt that he would, the kingdoms of the world. So you can try and shortcut where God wants you to go if you fall down and worship him. And that means to do what he wants you to do, to when he wants you to do it. And then Jesus replied and said this to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, for you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Wow. Then the angels came. And then it says later on in the scripture, and then the, he came again at a more opportune time. Because temptation just doesn't come once. and didn't come just once to Jesus. It came many times. And the whole point of this is we worship and serve only God. We worship and serve only God. Only Him who we worship. That's who we worship.
only him. We worship and serve only God. Because what you will worship, you will serve. And who you will worship, you will serve. And the question is, is what are you worshipping? And you say, well, how do you, how do you work that out? It says bowing down. Or, can I just say this, what you give your allegiance to, or what do you give your time to the most? Is, does God fill your heart and your mind? And do you think upon him? Do you dwell upon him? Then you, you worship him just naturally. So what you worship and who you worship, you will serve. There's no, no way out of it, friends. So in the area of temptation, whatever it is, Jesus came back to him, the devil, and said, it is written. Jesus said, it is written. Because Jesus understood the whole counsel of God and not just a little counsel of God. That's why every year at the beginning of the year, I encourage you to read your Bible. And we have reading plans down the back that can do that. Because if when you put the word of God into your heart and into your spirit, then when things come, then you can draw it out. King David said this, I, I put your word in my heart that I might not what? Sin against you. So he had a place of resource that he could go to. So when you're feeling down and when you're feeling you know, small and you don't feel like the word of, uh, the, you know, you're the son of God, you can go to that place and say, yes, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has called me to be the son. He has called me to be his son. I'm beloved. I am his child. I am the apple of his eye. I have been redeemed. I've been set free from the power of sin. He fills me with the Holy Spirit. I now have his love in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I can stand because I'm a child of God. And you won't live as a child of God until you know you're a child of God. And when you know you're a child of God, it's because you put his word in your heart. We only behave by the way the things that we know. I don't behave a certain way when I was a child because now I have God's word in my heart. And that's how I live now, as a child of God. Because my life is hidden Christ. That's what Paul said. It's hidden Christ. It doesn't matter what comes against me. My life is hidden Christ. And the enemy will come and say, oh, I don't think it is. I know it is. That's how we overcome that temptation. I'm going to live my life the way he wants me to live. I'm going to be as best as I can. And that doesn't mean that I'm perfect and sometimes I don't fall. But I tell you what, he's given me access to get back up and stand strong in him again. Don't fall to temptation. Say when temptation comes, and it can be as simple as, as you, you know how simple it can be. And, you know, it is written. It is written. It is written. And I tell you what, if you don't know what to say, why don't you go back to the Ten Commandments? I mean, they're pretty good. That shall not lie, that shall not steep, that shall not bear false witness, that shall not commit adultery, that shall not, you know, covet your neighbor's wife and so on. Go back to the Ten. The Ten are pretty good. You know, every Western civilization is based on the Ten Commandments for a great community. 
that's how we're to live because temptation is, is before us. It is written. Why don't we stand this morning? Why don't we stand and look to God and look to Him and be honest with ourselves, truly honest with ourselves because temptation will come and perhaps there is a reoccurring temptation in your life a reoccurring temptation, you just can't seem to shake that sucker. Man, you know what I'm talking about? Or I'm just talking to me. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? A reoccurring temptation. Man. You know, it's not, I was going to get um, some uh, uh, those donuts that they sell. What's those really? Krispy Kremes? I was going to have a pile of Krispy Kremes just here. Because I tell you what, man, when I, I just love those Krispy Kremes. Um, you know, the, and the smell of them and the look of them. And then when you put them in your mouth and they kind of, like, have you ever noticed they dissolve? You know, they're just kind of like, oh, oh. I was going to have a pile of Krispy Kremes here and just say, I can overcome this temptation. I don't know why, but when I'm driving down Oxley Road and I pass that 7-Eleven, do you know what I see? I don't see the price of fuel. I see, I see Krispy Kremes. Because there's lots of them in there, folks. Covered in chocolate and sprinkles and strawberries and they're filled with jam. Do I have a problem? Get thee behind me, Satan. It is written. You know, sometimes we have a reoccurring temptation. And I'm not going to tell you what my temptation, because it's just not Krispy Kremes. There are other things in my life. But I come to him and I say, God, it is written that I shall love you and I shall serve you only. And I will be the best man that I can be. I'll be the best father that I can be. I'll be the best husband that I can be. I'll be the best pastor, God. Lord, because you don't lead us in temptation. You don't lead us in temptation. It's when it comes in and I just relinquish my will and my mind and justify my behavior. And I'm so ashamed. Lord, set me free. What's that recurring temptation you need to let go of? What is it? Why don't we just close our eyes? Let's close our eyes. Look, I know that when I said that, what's that recurring temptation? Your mind went to that faster than a speeding bullet. It did. Because the Holy Spirit wants you to be set free this morning. And he wants you to live in that freedom that he has for you. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Total freedom. Total freedom. So let's pray together. Just all of us here. Because I know that if I ask, come down the front, if you suffer from temptation in a particular recurring way, you would all be here if you were to be honest. You'd all be here. But where we stand, we're standing before God and we're relinquishing our will to His will. We're not eating temporary bread, we're eating eternal bread. We're not bargaining with God, we're worshipping Him. So you can put your hand on your heart or you can lift your hand to Him. We can lift your arms open to Him or just stand there before Him as we pray. Heavenly Father, 
You desire that we would live for you free. Lord, and we know that temptation will come, but rather than giving into temptation and justifying this temptation, Lord, we would speak to that temptation just as Jesus said, it is written. It is written. And we will stand upon your word in the mighty name of Jesus. It is written. And Lord, every victory that we have, we give you thanks for in Jesus' name. Lord, And we pray for our, our friends and our loved ones online, Lord God, that you would bless them. And Lord, if anyone is hearing the message of your love and power for the first time, I pray that they would respond to you and ask you to come into their life. I pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Did you get something this morning? Did you know what he wants you to do? Temptation will come, but stop. And think of the scriptures. It is written, just as Jesus said. Amen? Amen. Let's close with a song this morning and just have a great time of fellowship. Encourage one another and pray for one another. You might need to say to someone, hey, can you pray for me a bit more? That would be great. Amen? And I'm going to stand on your word. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Amen? Because it is written. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.